1: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're talking some USC football. This is a solo Peristyle Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Abraham. going to answer a bunch of questions, but also talk about the uh, USC slim playoff hopes. It was uh, kind of a big topic on Twitter after the college football rankings came out on uh, Tuesday evening, where USC stayed at number 11 despite a win over Colorado. A lot of tweets, a lot of talk on the uscfootball.com message board, so I thought I would address all that kind of stuff. Plus, you guys have had a lot of questions that have come in. There's questions about the playoff, questions about the team, so I wanted to do my best to answer those. We'll still have our uh, Family Feud podcast with uh, Keeley and Shotgun coming up um, either Thursday evening or uh, Friday morning. I, I don't think we're going to do a uh, UCLA preview podcast with like David Woods, I talk with David every week. If you want to listen to our uh, podcast of champions, that's our Pac-12 podcast. Just search for that. It's a different podcast. We kind of preview all the games there, so we kind of we talk enough every week. So I, we probably won't do that. But if we if we add one of those, I'll let you know too. But definitely look forward to the Family Feud. We already had uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. We had Dan Weber, and we had a premium recruiting podcast as well. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, send them in. You can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or if you want to call or text us and we got calls and we got texts and we got emails but you can do you can uh, call or text to 424 254 9141 that's 424-254-9141 send them in and uh, we'll categorize them make sure you send it into that podcast at uscfootball.com if you're going to email us and uh, yeah we'll put them in the in the show and start chatting about uh, the Trojans and do our best to answer all of your questions. And you guys have sent it a ton. We love it. So we're going to keep going with that. And uh, before we jump into starting to talk about the playoff, uh, I wanted to let you guys know about Lisa. So it's L-E-E-S-A. Um, so they're a direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also socially conscious. And it's pretty cool. So they they are driven by a mission to provide what they say is, quote, a – a better place to sleep for every day. So they'll donate one mattress for, to a shelter for every 10 they sell through their online program. So they've donated uh 222,000 mattresses so far. Um they also plant a tree for every mattress sold and 1% of each employee's time uh is spent to volunteer for uh local causes. So they're very very socially conscious company. Uh mostly online, but if you're in in Soho, they have a Lisa Dream Gallery uh or in uh, Virginia Beach, but if you're out here on the West Coast, Uh, You get them online. It's an American-made mattress, and it's pretty cool. I just got mine the other day. It's uh, compressed in a box to your door. So you order it like you would anything online, and it's not like this huge mattress comes to your door. It's like a box that's maybe two feet by two feet by like four feet high. And I got it outside. like, oh, it's like, I don't know, like uh, something strange being delivered. Like there's a mattress in there, which is cool. So I end up ordering a queen-size mattress. Um, it's pretty cool. You get it in there. It's kind of like it's uh, almost like it's freeze dried. It's like su- super compressed and folded over itself. And you open it up. You cut off the, the plastic. Open it up, and it'll expand. And you let it sit there for. Uh, we let it sit for 24 hours, and then it opens up and fluffs up. And I slept, so I got got it all together. Uh, I guess it was Monday night, and then I slept on it on Tuesday night for the first time. So uh, it was it was a really cool experience. Um, so. I would definitely recommend trying it out. They actually have a code for USC uh, listeners here on the Peristyle Podcast. So if you go to lisa.com, dot com slash USC, you will get a $100 off uh, your Lisa mattress. So uh, I tried it last night. I'm actually under the weather right now, feeling not that good. So when I was sick, I didn't know how, how good of a sleep I'd get, and I got a great sleep last night. So it certainly was uh, very helpful. But they're available in the U.S., Canada, uh, Germany, and the U.K., and uh, they also have like a Lisa pillow, blanket, foundation, and frame. And all that stuff is available online. It's really easy. Go online. Go to, like I said, Lisa, L-E-E-S-A dot com slash U-S-C. And if you get one, definitely email me and let me know uh, how you like it. I I've, I've definitely look forward to sleeping on it more as I've tried it, uh, like I said, just last night for the first time. Okay, so let's jump into this college football playoff talk. So what happened uh, Tuesday evening was the... College Football Playoff Committee came out with their rankings to do the top 25. Um, I'll go, so the significant teams for USC, uh, Stanford comes in at 22, so USC's already beaten Stanford. Uh, Washington comes in at 18. Uh, USC has not played Washington. Washington State at 14. USC lost to Washington State. And USC comes in at number 11. Uh, number 8 is Notre Dame. Uh, USC got clobbered by Notre Dame. So those are the rankings. USC did not move uh, compared to last week. State 11, got jumped by teams like Ohio State and Penn State who won. Um, and then there's a lot of kind of complaints about what's going on. So let me play this first question for you, and then I'll start talking about it. We've got some other questions too, but I'll start off with this.
0: Hey, this is John from New York, calling right before the uh, college football playoffs rankings come out. I just kind of need uh, help. My question's for, uh for Dan and Ryan. Why do you think that USC keeps getting, you know, hit kind of hard in the AP polls and the USA Today and whatnot? Uh, I just look at the teams ahead of us, and and no one really seems elite. I mean, Oklahoma's getting a lot of love. They gave up 52 points to Oklahoma State. They barely beat a team that hasn't won a game in Baylor. Uh, They lost 49, or they won 49-41 a few few weeks ago. Um, even Clemson has looked shaky, and they've run up the score late in games in garbage time to kind of make the box score look a little respectable. You know, Notre Dame's look shaky now. Miami's good for the first time in a long time. And, you know, same thing with Georgia, and look what, George, what happened to Georgia. They ended up losing big time. So I still think that there are a lot of teams that are going to lose ahead of us. And I'm just not really sure why the media doesn't treat us a little bit better. I mean, I'm guessing it's the East Coast bias. I see that out here. But... You know, a lot of USC folks are even saying, yeah, I don't want us to go to the playoffs. I don't want us to get dominated. But, I mean, where's the Trojan spirit? We've looked really good at times. I know we haven't put a full game together yet, but this team has gotten better and better. And like you guys have said, we've, we've thrown 15 touchdowns to three picks in the last six games. We've been putting up a lot of points against people. You know, we've gotten uh, several winning streaks this season of three or more games. I mean, I look at this team and I see a possible playoff contender Maybe I'm a delusional hope optimist, but uh, I don't know. Just kind of hoping you guys can walk me through why you think these other teams, even Ohio State, who got blown out by Iowa on the road, is worse team than Notre Dame. Why they're getting, you know, put ahead of us in the AP poll? Thanks, guys.
1: All right, John. Thanks for that. A lot of points uh, in there, and this was he sent that in before the college football playoff poll came out. Uh, very similar uh, to the AP poll. Um, if you look at the coaches, the AP. In the college football playoff, USC is 10, 11, and 12. So, um, all about the same area. And uh, I'll, I'll try to just a few of those points. Um, like, you can't compare USC to any of the teams that have zero losses or one loss. Like, you just can't do that. So, the, when you're mentioning those other teams, just stop right there. That's not, it's not even a comparison. USC has two losses. No two loss team has ever made the college football playoff. You can only compare USC to the two loss teams. And things will kind of sort themselves out as this goes through. But, um, it comes down to like you're comparing, like, you know, Ohio State got blown out on the road to Iowa. It's a pretty good team, not as good as Notre Dame. USC got blown out, thoroughly dominated uh, on the road by Notre Dame. At least Ohio State was like tied at the half. Like, USC was dominated from the, the start of that game. It was an utter uh, beatdown. All right. So that it was terrible. But you can't just compare this loss, might be worse than that loss. Who did USC beat? Look at the rankings. Who has USC beat that's ranked in the top 25? Stanford. That's it. That's the only U.S. top 25 win that USC has. And you could argue Arizona should be in the top 25 or could be, but um that's what you're talking about for one. For two, look at USC's record against the spread. Now, what does that mean? They're not dominating t- they're not dominating these teams. Uh they they played really well, I uh, probably twice. Arizona State uh on the road, which is you're not going to get as much credit for that win, but it was a, you know, I think it was a good win because it just came off. You know, they had just won some games. They're still on a, you know, they're on a streak until they lost to UCLA. Um, I thought that was a pretty good win at the time. They played really well most of that game. Uh, and Stanford, they played really well. But the other games, they didn't beat the spread. They weren't crushing teams that they should crush. They could have easily lost to Texas. There's so, you know, uh, Utah had them on the ropes. Um, it took an cr- incredible comeback. And all kinds of stuff. There's just, if you watch the team, they're not dominating like these other teams. So try to compare, like, well, this loss is a little worse than that loss. It's just, it doesn't work that way. You got to look at quality wins. Um, you know, why is Auburn there, you know, the highest two loss team? Well, they just thumped Georgia. I mean, they have a great, great win, you know, and, and Clemson's got great wins. They got a win over Auburn. And uh, I mean, so there's, you know, when Miami and Clemson play, uh, I mean, that's going to be a great one. I just feel like this isn't the year, and you mentioned this in your in your uh, question too, I don't feel this is a year that you should even strive to get to the college football playoff. Now, some people agree with me, and a bunch of people on Twitter uh, did not. Oh, why do you play? You should want to win a championship every year. Okay, well, yeah, I get it. And this team is talented enough. Like, technically, this team could still win the national championship this year if a whole bunch of stuff falls in place. And I'm not even convinced, you know, things can happen. You move around. They they crush Washington State 50 to nothing. They crush UCLA 75 to nothing. Everyone's like, man, this team is playing really good right now. All these other building blocks fall, you know, all these other dominoes fall. And that happens. And somehow USC sneaks in. And then somehow they beat, like, Alabama, and then they beat Clemson or whatever it is. Um And they're the national champs. Like, that's not, I mean, that's like, there's still a possibility that that happens. It's very, 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 very slim, I would say. And I just don't think it's realistic. Even if USC sneaks in, I just don't think they'd be competitive against the teams that are there. And that's from me watching off-season workouts and practices and games and seeing what this makeup of the team is. I think there's some really good things, but it's just not a complete team. Not a team, in my opinion, that's national championship, playoff, caliber right now now could they turn a switch and start playing better sure but I don't see if you look at some of these other defenses I don't see a bunch of first round draft picks on this defense like it's the defense has been fine like they're you know pretty good they're not like crazy good um and I just don't see a whole bunch of dudes that are like these guys you know this guy's going to go number five overall this pass rusher like it's just that's just not what USC's is made up of right now so I got to think there and then it's what as far as like look at last year and look at the college football playoff rankings and all that stuff. USC, if you remember, backdoored into the Rose Bowl, which I would argue is the best thing that happened to the program in years. And I had people on Twitter telling me, well, they won the Rose Bowl, but then they had all this offseason like shenanigans and then uh and distractions. So I'm like, are you trying to tell me it was you would have been better to lose the Rose Bowl and then like not have as many features written about Sam Dara? Like it was just utter nonsense. The the Rose Bowl is always the goal. That's, you know, the songs that the band sings like the Rose Bowl, T shirts, more money, all that stuff. That's that's what you want to do every year. Like it's not an insignificant bowl. It's a very significant bowl. It's a historic bowl for USC. To win the Rose Bowl after starting one and three. When's the last time UCLA won the Rose Bowl? Like was in the 80s or something? Like that, that was amazing that USC could start off that crappy and come back and win the Rose Bowl. That's the power of USC. That's a great thing. That's the best thing that's happened to the program in years. You cannot discount that at all. This year, in my opinion. And if well, if you remember looking back, USC was below Colorado. Colorado was playing Washington in the Pac 12 championship game. And I said from the beginning, like if if Colorado loses, they'll drop below USC. And people are like, oh, that's not the way it should work. If they lose the championship game, blah, blah. blah. Well, no. You want the best second team in the Pac-12 to play, and it's USC. USC already beat Colorado. So that's what you want. USC lost them early. USC's playing the best. Do you want to see Colorado and Penn State, or do you want to see USC and Penn State? People want to see USC and Penn State. It worked out right. That was the right call. USC deserved to be in over Colorado. You're never going to argue with that. But if you remember, and we talked to sources on the team, because that's what we do, USC would have preferred to not go to the Pac-12 championship game and just go to the Rose Bowl, because that team was extremely beat up. They were in rough shape. And they needed a break. So would it have been better to like go and lose to Washington and not go to the Rose Bowl? No. Do you want to go to the Pac-12 championship game every year? Of course. But some years, it's not as good. And the way USC was made up and the way they were, they were playing and how beat up they were, that was not the time. So what happens? USC goes to the Rose Bowl. The best thing that's happened to the program. I think the exact same thing this year. They're not going to compete in the college football playoff. They are not. They just won't. So, yeah, do you want to go? Yeah, that's what we got to do. you got to always want to go there. It's like, sure. Okay, say you were like this expert skier and you get hurt and you can't cut as you know quickly and you go back and you go up to the top of the mountain and I'm the skier, but there's a double black diamond or whatever you normally go down, but your knee's kind of hurting and you're like, well, I should probably go down this medium level one. Well, I always go down the double black diamond. Yeah, well, this year, this time you probably shouldn't. So just go down the medium one, build your knee back up. It'll be like you'll feel good down the bottom. It's good for your rehab. And you go forward. You don't need to do the double black diamond this time. You don't need to go to the college football playoff this year and get smoked by Alabama. You just don't. You need to go to the Fiesta Bowl and beat someone. Heck, you might get a UCF without their head coach and you get like a free Fiesta Bowl win. Back-to-back years of going to the Rose Bowl and winning, then winning the Pac-12, and going to the Fiesta Bowl and winning is pretty freaking awesome. Like, yeah, three losses, terrible loss to Alabama. Two losses in 2017, horrible loss to a rival in Notre Dame. But you can build off a Fiesta Bowl win. That's good for recruiting. That's good for the team morale. That's good for all of it. That help to build the program. I think you're way better off doing that than getting smoked in the college football playoff. Now I think there's some people that would rather do that sneak in cuz they they're for whatever they're not fans of Clay Helton and I think a lot of the people that we're arguing with on Twitter they don't want to see Clay Helton do well. They don't want to see they're like, well the only reason they're winning is cuz of Sam Darnold and if they get a Fiesta Bowl win, it's just going to keep Clay Helton around longer and blah 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 and stuff like that. It's like, dude, th- th- you're not even rooting for the team. So I think if Clay Helton's not the right coach and, you know, I've said on record, like, you know, they should have hired somebody else. Like, they should hire someone with the experience. He didn't have it. Um, nicest guy in the world. I like him a lot. And you, you hope he's learning and and growing and, and becoming a better coach. Um, but, you know, you're a fan of USC. You should root for the team to win. And I think the best thing for the program would be to go to the Fiesta Bowl and get a chance to beat a top-10 team. Boom. Like, that's great. And you get to say, hey, we won the Rose Bowl. Hey, we won the Pac-12, which is you know hasn't happened since 2008. That's a huge deal, and then potential to win the Fiesta Bowl. I think that's what the best case scenario for this year is. So, that's my opinion. Um, that's my informed opinion. I'd say, but people are arguing about that. USC is basically where they should be right now. Um, they don't have the look at all the teams ranked ahead of USC. They have better wins, all of them. Every single team, um, except maybe like Wisconsin, who uh, actually, they might have a better win. Um, they're t- but they're undefeated, you know. So that's it's, USC doesn't have a quality win. Um, the two highest ranked teams that USC played, they lost to. So there's that. I mean, that's that's part of the problem. So don't you got to look at the whole big picture? Um, are there some biases there? I think so. Is like Clemson because they won the championship last year. Is there? Some, yeah, I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. But it'll all kind of come out in the wash. I wouldn't worry about. How this is well if this team beats it, blah, blah blah. It's like I just wouldn't worry about that. I think you got to worry about beating UCLA and winning the Pac twelve championship. And I think whatever if you do that, good things will happen. It's probably, 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 probably not going to be the college football playoff. But it might like, I'm saying I don't think that's what you want uh, anyway. Phew. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the next one. And excuse my uh, voice; I'm all stuffed up right now. But we had to do this. We had to. I had to get a little rant uh, about the playoff, and then also uh, answer what the questions that were left over because we still got a bunch. Here's the next one.
0: Hi, podcast. It's Rob Winukaya. Another point I'd like to make. This is my second time calling in this week because I had another thought after I hung up last time. But anyway, it's kind of ironic that USC could potentially win the Pac-12 while losing to both of its main rivals, Notre Dame and UCLA. Who would ever thought that could ever happen? And I'd like to know if you guys think if USC does indeed lose to UCLA and goes on to win the Pac-12 championship, would you consider that a successful season at USC? Uh, Thank you, and fight on. Have a good day.
1: Hey, Rob. Thanks for that. Um, Yeah, I think... Losing to both rivals makes it really, really hard to be a successful season. But winning the Pac-12, I think, would since it hasn't happened since uh, you know 2008. So in that, you know, in that scenario, you still win the Pac-12. Um, you still go to a New Year Six Bowl, and you know, probably the Fiesta Bowl. Chance to win there. You know, maybe it depends on if you win the Fiesta Bowl or not. But I think winning the Pac-12 this year, despite a horrible loss to Notre Dame, despite what would be would be an awful loss to a uh, UCLA team that can't stop the run at all. They give up 300 yards a game. It would be pretty. It would be pretty bad. But I think I think winning the Pac-12 to me would trump just about anything else uh, this year. All right, let's move on. Next question. <laughs>
0: Hey, Ryan, this is Sir Eric of Troy in Rancho Cucamonga. Question for you that um, you can answer on your next broadcast, please. Um, I just saw that Stanford took down Washington uh last night, so that really tightens things up in the Pac-12 North. So can you explain the scenario of what has to happen for us to get Washington State in the championship game? Because I really, really want to rematch with them. It looks like we have the South locked down. And so if you can explain uh, what we need to see and what they need to do up there in order for us to get Washington state in a rematch. Thanks so much. Really love the show fight on.
1: All right. Thanks for that. Um, Yeah. Washington state's easy. They Washington state's the only team that controls its own destiny uh, in the Pac-12 North. So um, they have the, you know, if they can win out, they got to, you know, win on the road uh, against Washington um, they went out and uh, they're good to go. So that's uh, that's the kind of scenario. As far as like which team would you rather play, I kind of think USC matches up best with Washington, even though they probably have the best defense. I think the, the Washington State defense really gave USC trouble with the quick front. Uh, we saw Stanford kind of run and uh, have some success against uh, Washington's defense last week. Uh, Stanford beating them twice would be difficult. Now they will play uh, Notre Dame. The week before, uh, the good news for USC is all three teams will be on a short week and playing uh, in Santa Clara on a on a Friday. USC will be fully rested um, with a week off. Stanford doesn't have to travel uh, very far because they just drive. So I would think the what you would not want to play is Stanford. Um, probably play Washington, which is you know least likely maybe to make it. Uh, but I'd like to you know see the rematch against Washington State. Uh, as well so let Washington State go on a short week travel back to back Um, that's what USC did when they lost to Washington State Washington State would be on the road for the Apple Cup and then six days later later be on the road for the Pac-12 championship game so um, I kind of think Washington State's playing the best in the north and that's who USC is going to end up seeing so uh, I guess we'll go with that all right thanks for those questions I'm going to read a couple emails Let's see, we have, let's go, S.C. List in Seattle. He said, my question is about Coach Helton. I've heard you say that you believe Helton is still a bit inexperienced as a head coach. That being said, do you believe that because of his inexperience, he often defers to his assistant coaches and their philosophy as opposed to an experienced coach who will insist on imprinting the team with his philosophy? I say this particularly as it relates to Defensive coordinator Clancy Pendergast's attitude towards substitution, substituting players. Instead, of instead he prefers to play the starters until they drop. The head coach should insist that the D.C. sub and thus develop backups. Uh, I'm only assuming that to be the case based on what I've seen from the team. However, the reality may be that the that Coach Hilton has uh, directed Coach Clancy to do a better job of substituting, thus developing guys. This would apply to all the assistant coaches. I would love to get your take on the matter. SC less in Seattle. Um, okay, so I think Clancy Pendergast has more autonomy than than most. Um, you know, Clay's not a defensive guy. I think he relies on Clancy and what his philosophies are. I think on the offensive side, it's different. Um, and I, you know, we don't really know a lot of what Clay Helton's philosophies are, just because we haven't seen. We've seen him. You know, he was an assistant under like Sark and Lane, who they had kind of like mixed philosophies that what they learned like under like norm chow and guys like that and sark at like byu like that's not really what they're doing now they kind of are doing what's popular now but they weren't really gurus under somebody you know under some guru somewhere learning like the spread uh offense so i think some of the philosophy stuff is a little hard uh hard to say because it's like where did where did these guys learn you know what tree did they come from you know Uh, but i think on the offensive side It's more that, uh, you know, Clay knows what he wants to do, and I think there's direction there for T. That's why you probably have multiple people calling plays all the time, and that's why the the offense looks kind of muddled. But I would say on the defensive side, um, he does give Clancy, uh, you know, a lot of rope there to do what he wants. Now, does he ever say, hey, we've got to play more dudes? And if he does, I don't think Clancy's listening because that's, you know, that's his philosophy. But I think when you hire a coach – you, you know what their philosophies are, their strengths, their weaknesses. And I would say that's one of the weaknesses. I mean, I had, you know, you talk to random USC fans, and that's something they always bring up. Um, you know, I'm sure he's aware of it, uh, but that's just kind of the way it goes. You know, that's the way he is. And I think as long as he's a defensive coordinator, barring something that, you know, Clay Helton's like tired of it or something, uh, and he just says, boom, we're, no, you're doing this now, uh, then he will. Let's see. We got Jeremiah. Uh, after seeing the skill set and utilization of Valus Jones, can you see him being uh, converted to a running back with the departure of Rojo looming? He seems to have the size, speed, and ability to catch the football and would be a great compliment to the running backs we currently have. Uh, Jeremiah, I would disagree with you. It, at the play, he's not been explosive in any plays we've seen him in. Like they, they try to give him these jet sweeps and stuff, and it's just not – He's. Fairly easy to tackle. There's just not, it's just, he's not been that effective. So I don't think he would go there. Um, I think, you know, you got to get him downfield and streak it downfield and, you know, use his speed and try to make plays, but you got to catch the ball. And, uh, we just haven't seen it. So is it some him? Is it some of the coaches? I, I don't know, but there's, there's probably some kind of combination, but we're just not seeing, um, that sort of explosiveness out of him and that, you know, those plays, he comes in and they, they design these plays for him and uh, they just don't go anywhere. And I think if you look at the uh, Chris Trevino put up uh pro football focus grades for all the players and they do like, do like number grades, like one to hundred and they do the top 10 and I think the bottom five and Jones was in the bottom five, you know, he just, it's like when he's in there. It's just, it's not happening. And I think at some point it's like, yeah, people look at the speed or this or that. And it's like, Okay, you you think he should be good, but when we're whatever reason when he's in the game, it's not good. So I would rather see less of him at this point until they figure something out. It's either on him or them or whatever they, but it's not working. Um, so no, I wouldn't recommend moving him too. Uh, all right, let's move on to Don. Everybody makes it sound like Darnold is having a terrible season and is a disappointment, and Rosen is this terrific NFL-ready quarterback. Darnold other than his fumbles and is superior statistically to Rosen. I know USC fans were expecting miracles every game, but Darnold's having a good season. Uh, A new offensive line, new receivers made it uh, early, tough sledding, but all is well now. Your guy, Tyler, finally got his chance and is the most uh, talented receiver on the team, maybe in the Pac-12. I fell into the disappointing Darnold hype, but he is still the best quarterback in college from Don. Um, He's up there for sure. Uh, I think there's some issues with what we've seen from, from Darnold, but I think he's playing better as of late. Uh, probably not as good of teams he's been playing as of late. Maybe that has something to do with it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think people are going to compare him to Rosen. I kind of think Rosen might go a little higher in the draft. They'll both be like top five guys. I don't think that really matters. Like, I mean, who cares? Like, they're both – I think they're both really, really good uh, quarterbacks. I wouldn't get too caught up in all that, Don. I think – Darnell's been a real special player at USC. My gut feeling is saying that, you know, he'll probably come back, but, you know, that's just me. I, you know, no, you know, insight whatsoever. I don't think he's decided. I think that'll be something after the season. And, you know, if USC does run the table and wins the Pac 12 and, like, wins the Fiesta Bowl or something, maybe it's more likely he goes because it's like, hey, you know, run the Rose Bowl, won the Fiesta Bowl, unless he feels like, you know, hey, this team is really going to make a run for the playoff, you know, which obviously they, they should or could. Um, but he's got to do what's best for his him and his family and all that. So I think at this point, it's probably still up in the air. If I had to just you know put money on it right now, I'd say yeah, I think it probably comes back. Um, but you know that's just me. Kevin says, did Clay Helton answer any of the following questions during the interview with the media? Do you know why Stephen Carr is not playing that much? Um, well, he's coming back from an injury, so I think he's talked about that. Uh, we put up a story uh, with Dylan McCullough, or at least a video with Dylan McCullough talking about him coming back. So. Um, you know, that's mostly mostly injury-related. Related. Uh, why did USC not develop a backup kicker for Chase McGrath uh, after Michael Brown got injured? They could have done that more, I think. Um, they did, you know, Reed Budrovich was doing some of that stuff. Uh, I don't understand why they kept playing him uh, in the game, but, you know, whatever. That's a lot of the substitution stuff, for some reason, they just seem really reluctant to go to backups at times, and that's a case where they obviously should have. Is it risky playing with the hurt kicker? And what if the team needed to kick a field goal? Yeah, we talked about that. Why does USC wide receivers not run past the first down line? Um, I don't think they're taught not to. Uh, there's definitely situations where that comes up. And it seems like the players are one or two yards before the line. Yes. Uh, also, why does the team use shotgun for short yardage plays? Uh, we've asked about that a number of times. They feel comfortable out of the pistol. They feel like they can run either way, either direction, and it's disguised. And then is Daniel Hunter baby hurt? Is he not getting past this? No, he's out there. He's actually healthy, um, but he's not getting targeted all that much. He's not been, in, you know, we're not seeing those explosive plays that we were seeing last year. So, yeah, really interesting. You know, I'm not sure exactly why, but that's, uh, you know, he's healthy enough to be out there, and he's been out there the last few weeks. All right, let's move on. Next question from Paul Santa Clarita. He says, as an ex defensive back, I like to closely watch both. USC's DBs and opposing team DBs, uh, what I generally see is far less discipline and lack of fundamentals from USC's DBs compared to other teams. Against Colorado, this was very evident. The Colorado quarterbacks were out on an island all day and did a respectable job. USC's success was more the result of Sam Darnold's great throws and the receivers' even better catches. Turning your back on a receiver is a cardinal sin, and USC's DBs seem to do this regularly. Iman Marshall has regressed this year. Overall tackling has been spotty. I could go on and on. The Colorado defensive backs were all two and three star players in high school. Well, USC's DBs were all four and five star players. So I have to blame USC's defensive back coach, Ronnie Bradford. I'm hoping this gets addressed in the offseason. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Paul and Santa Carita. Yeah, I'm okay. I wouldn't call myself a DB expert or a former defensive back like you. I did not have the foot speed, Paul, to be a DB. But from my, yeah, from my point of view, it does seem like that. It seems like. It's been really inconsistent play. There's some good individual plays, um, but it's too many breakdowns. And I, I just feel like there's some sort of disconnect there. There's something that's not right. I'm not going to say, well, it's Ronnie Bradford or it's this. Or, it's just – but there's something that's not right about that, and it does need to be addressed. And so the coaches that are getting paid, Clay Helton, getting paid a lot of money, that's something he's going to need to address. Is it a different different way to practice? Is it a new – whatever you want to do, new DB coach, whatever you need to do, that should be addressed. I think standing pat there is not the right way to go. Uh, Coach Roy, the Bruins passing game took a big hit versus Utah when Rosen's favorite target, Darren Andrews, who had 60 receptions for 778 yards and 10 touchdowns, was lost for the season. He went down with a torn ACL against Utah. Saw that. It was very unfortunate. Uh, They will most likely try to throw to Jordan Lasley, uh, who beat Dory Jackson twice last year. I missed that and just found out on uscfootball.com. Uh, the Trojans will have a tough job to keep up with him, so look for double coverage on him. He's number two. He has 39 receptions for 705 yards and four TDs this year. Coach Roy. Yeah, Coach, um, it, it's funny. Andrews, when you're like, 10 touchdowns, there's a lot of freaking touchdowns, and he did go down that game. UCLA actually lost a bunch of people in that Utah game, so that for them to come back, now Rosen came back, that was huge, uh, and have as much success as they did running the football uh, but also throwing the football with Rosen, I think Lasley might have been their leading receiver if I recall against Arizona State. But they got a really good win against an Arizona State team that you know ran the ball well, threw the ball pretty well. Played, they thought they you know they they played pretty well overall. Like they converted like half their third downs, but somehow UCLA still won. So it's definitely a dangerous team uh, when Rosen's back there. He's a quarterback that's capable of putting a team on its back you know, and on his back. And he's done that. Sam Darnold's done that obviously, too. Like, those are the kind of teams. Like, if you look at a Jake Browning, who gets a lot of stats, he reminds me more of a Cody Kessler, which you wouldn't necessarily take a team and put it on his back. Uh, Things would have to go on schedule. He would play well. He would get good stats. But now, okay, you're down by a couple of scores. What are you doing? Like, are you capable of just like, all right, here I go. I'm going to go make stuff happen no matter what. And Rosen can do that at times. And Sam Darnold could do that at times. So uh, I think this could be a good, interesting game. We got a text message. This is from Trent. He said, I'm hopefully that USC handles UCLA this weekend and wins the Pac-12, finishing in the top six, looking forward to next year. With all the injuries early in the season, do you see a majority of those eligible for the draft returning? Um, I'd like to see Rojo return, but he will go, and the, the offensive line will take a hit. But playing these young freshmen – could be very beneficial for next year. We will lose Hawkins and Tell to the draft, but Bubba and Pola, uh, Pola Mao, I think he means, uh, should be a great duo. Uh, could you do a quick interview on who you think, or oh, sorry, overview of who you think will stay at SC and who declares for the draft? Hopefully the defense will be even stronger next year with more depth. Thank you for all your team does. Fight on from Trent. Um, okay, so I kind of think Ronald Jones will go. Like I said earlier, I think Darnold... You know, I don't think he's decided. Um, my guess is he'll lean towards staying. We'll see. Iman Marshall, I think he's been hurt too much to leave. I think he was on a three-year plan, but can you? I don't think so. Um, uh, Rasheem Green, potentially. Um, I don't think he's like a first-round pick, but he could be a first or second-day pick, you know. Porter Gustin, same thing. He's been hurt so much. Like, I just don't think his measurables are going to be, like, off the charts where he just will come out. He, he needs production in college. And uh, yeah, so I think those are the guys. Uh, oh, Cameron Smith. Um, yeah, again, I just kind of see him coming back. Uh, he, again, it's not like he's very productive for USC. He's a you know surest tackler and and probably the best that gets the run and all that. But I don't know if that's going to get you a high draft pick. So unless there's some kind of you know really players are just unhappy and we, there's some you know news. Uh, Kenny Bigelow, I could have mentioned this at the top, but Kenny Bigelow, uh, who you know retired, was going to be a player coach and has been. Uh, applied for a sixth year. He's going to transfer somewhere and play. He does want. He would like to make it to the league. So, um, yeah, the whole thing of like he just wanted to retire. To me, that was all. I mean, I love Kenny to death, um, and I think he was just trying to be protective of the team and all that stuff. But he wanted to play. He got passed up by true freshmen and stuff, and so there's some reason. That the coaches didn't want to play him. They just feel he's not that good. Whatever it is, there's something he wasn't getting on the field ahead of true freshmen. Even when he was like next up and that person in front of him gets hurt like Marlon Tui then Brandon Peely jumps ahead of him. And it's just like he was done. And I get, I mean, I get it. Like there's some people that are mad. That makes sense to me. So I would say, yeah, that's fine. Um, it's great that he's gonna be able to play somewhere. You wish him the best. Uh, like with Max Brown, when he leaves, you know, he wasn't playing. So what do, you, what do you want? Like, USC wasn't using him. So, yeah, let him go somewhere else and uh, hopefully land somewhere. I think Lane Kiffin already offered him at Florida Atlantic, so cool for that. Let's see, we got Don. He said, after watching USC, I decided to watch a well-coached team that performs at a high level, had feelings of satisfaction rather than the normal USC disappointment. Is there a better QB wide receiver combo, not in the NFL, than Daniels and Saint Brown. So he's talking about this is high school. He's talking about J.T. Daniels and Amon Ross, Saint Brown. Saint Brown catches everything against anybody, breaks tackles, eludes tackles, and outruns would-be tacklers. Daniels, who throws a ball, who throws a ball better than him, his long throws are always on the money. He's also mobile and doesn't throw into coverage. Yeah, I think he's uh, improved his mobility a lot. USC is going to get a good one when he gets here in 2019. And I'm on Ross St. Brown. You know, Gerard Martinez seems to think that he's going to end up at USC, too. So even though he was officially visiting Notre Dame when USC was there and his brother's on the team and all that stuff, uh, Gerard thinks he ends up at USC, and I kind of think he does, too. Um, Don also wrote in, hate to harp on this, but uh, the one constant in USC's play calling appears to be the lack of a plan. I know USC won, but they leave so many points on the field. After Harris's second interception, the play calling was terrible. Staff certainly knew this was a four-down territory, but calling plays didn't indicate that. Um, play calling didn't indicate that. Sometimes I think the staff, or at least the offensive staff, fools themselves more than the opposing team. Uh, Taking it to the house. Nobody does it better than Ralphie. Rojo is great, but Ralphie always has six people hanging on. Ralphie must be a very good athlete to stop so suddenly entering that trailer. Don. Yeah, no, Ralphie's the best. He's pretty freaking awesome. i I bummed I couldn't go. I was in a Wedding this weekend, but uh, Keely took some video footage of and put that up on the site, so you can go check that out. And, uh, yeah, there's – I mean, I think it was Alicia from uh, Rain of Troy had tweeted something like, USC had all these people, like, ranked really high in uh, the pro football focus, like, grades. And she was like, how do these people rank this high? And USC only scores 32 points against a team that gives up, th- you know, 27 points a game. Um I think it's I think it's a good point, you know, it's like hey uh it it they they left points I mean that's that's obvious. They left points uh out there for that they, they should have had, you know, and that's just not um it, it wasn't a great offensive performance, you know, like they said 32 points cuz they scored 38, but uh obviously one of them was a pick six. Um yeah, I just really think that I think that there's too many chefs in the kitchen as far as offensive play calling goes. I don't put it all on T. Martin. I think, you know, he's only a second year doing it. I think he's done a pretty good job. But I think there's hands in the cookie jar while he's doing it too. And we know Tyson Helton will call some of the third and fourth down plays. Um, all the plays go through Clay Helton who's on the field. So there's kind of like three people involved in this. And I I don't think we know enough that it's like it's T. Martin. This is all him. I just don't think it is. So I think there's some problems there. Thank you for your coverage of this year, USC and the Pac-12. I know that we won't know until around January 2018, but uh, who do you think will declare early? Uh, the juniors and eligible sophomores, John San Jose. Thanks, John. We, I kind of talked about that already. Um, it's funny. that and There's a difference between who should leave and who will leave. It's just the way it is. And USC just gets guys leaving that they shouldn't be leaving. Um like should Toa Lobadon be leaving? Like I don't think so. Uh maybe he moves over to center. Um actually I was talking to Yeah, I was talking to some some insiders about that, and that it seemed like that was a potential. So maybe he does move to center. We'll see. Robert and O. C. Is Clay too nice letting teams back in the game in the second half? Uh, I'm a diehard fan, irritated that he didn't finish strong. I don't know if the second half or the third quarter like kind of lull there or collapse or whatever you want to say is being too nice. Um, I think maybe I wouldn't say it's nice. I think it's more about he's cautious about things and he's cautious about practicing too hard. He's cautious about pushing the team too hard. He's worried about the no buy week and the the injuries and all that. And I think you end up doing things uh, out of caution as opposed to being aggressive. And I, And you could argue they were very cautious heading into not practicing in pads before Washington state and they end up getting a whole bunch of guys hurt anyway. So that's without practicing in full pads. So I, I don't like the overly cautious approach. I think it's more about that overly cautious than being too nice. All right, next up we have another text question. Regardless of how this Alabama Mississippi state game turns out clay and Clancy need to take a page from Dan Mullen on how to manage a team. Yeah, they uh, Mississippi State obviously did not win, but you could argue at the end of the game, Dan Mullen uh, didn't, uh, you know, manage the game well when they they had a chance that it was fourth and three, I think, at like the, on the Alabama side of the field, and he ends up punting like at the forty or something. Like, I think in that case, you played well all game. You gotta you gotta you know roll it and uh, and try to win there. So I think you you know for the most of the game, I think he did. I didn't get to see a lot of it, but from what I saw. But at the end of the game, he kind of turtled up a little bit. So he, he, he got some criticism. Clayton and uh, Santa Clarita, another text. Uh, with the Pac-12 North up in the air, which team is USC matchup against uh, best? Wazoo, Washington, or Stanford? And which of those three would USC not want to see in the Pac-12 championship game? Thanks for all you do. Clayton. Okay, so, I mean, there's strengths and weaknesses for all these teams. I would think, my personal opinion is Washington would be a best matchup Uh, for usc um usc beat them on the road pretty handily last year they don't play well against the better athletes like they're better i mean they're they're a well coached you know it's a machine up there but jake browning's not a guy like i said that puts teams on his back it's a really good defense statistically speaking they're really freaking good you know one of the top couple in the country but i like usc's chances to score you know Like Stanford scored thirty, I could you know USC could do that and hold that Washington offense uh, below that. So, I think Washington would be a good matchup. I think Wazoo uh, advantage will be switched. Wazoo doesn't have the advantage of USC short rest on the road Friday night. It'll be flipped. I think that'd be the best one to see. I would like to see that. You want to see revenge from this year? Um, That'd be. I think it'd be a nice. And they're the highest ranked team if you're looking at all that stuff. That'd be good. I think Stanford is the one you don't want to play. you know, beating them twice wouldn't be easy. David Shaw, you know, got beat pretty good the first time. Um, you know, they now they have uh, – they got KJ Costello instead of Paul – you know, instead of uh, Chris there. So I think they're a better, you know, better team. Now, even though Love's, Love's a little hobbled, he still ran for 166 yards against uh, a really good, really, really good Washington team. Washington gave up three rushing touchdowns all year, and Love got three in that game. So – um, I think I think uh, Rojo could have good success against Washington, even though they are really good. I I would think you would rather not see Stamper again. Um, all right, another text. Uh, this is from John. He said, "Ryan, is it in the realm of possibility that USC makes a playoff? If so, what bizarre set of circumstances needs to play, take place for that to happen?" I realize this is probably a total fanboy question, but number one, I'm a fan, and number two, I'm sure. I'm not the only one thinking it. Follow-up question. If playoff is a total fantasy, what is the best-case scenario? So, John, I think we talked about this quite a bit at the top of the show. It's not a fanboy thing. I mean, yeah, if you want to make the playoff, that's cool. Like, I don't think – I just don't think this is the right year for it. Um, I don't think USC would be competitive. If you want to look what's best for the program, I think if you want to talk about, hey, what's what's good for recruiting? I think feeling good the whole offseason after winning the Rose Bowl was great for recruiting, great for everything, great for morale – and if you, like, win the Fiesta Bowl, I think all that stuff would be great for a like You could talk about making the playoff is a deal, big deal, too. But making the playoff and just, like, getting smoked, um, you know, how big of a deal is that? I would argue you'd do better by recruiting, by, you know, being the Fiesta Bowl champ, uh, as opposed to being the first round out of the playoff uh, and, you know, non-competitive game. Uh non-competitive games don't feel good. And I just feel like that's what would happen in a playoff. You play like Alabama or something like that. So I think you can build a lot. To me, you build more uh, coming off uh, you know a potential win uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. So that's my opinion. I'll you know, restate that again. Steven Seattle said, guys, those Twitter trolls and doubters, uh, to sh- tell those Twitter trolls and doubters to shut up. Ridiculous. Embarrassing and plays into the stereotype of quote-unquote spoiled children to keep calling for Helton's firing. The man came in under the worst morale circumstances with Kiffin firing and Sark drunkenness and Coach Odemotion and departing, Coach Odemotion and departing, and has put together two amazing years. Yet the play calls have been crazy sometimes, and I'm sure that fourth down pass, instead of an easy three to make it a three-score game in the Colorado game, could have come back to bite us, but it didn't. Twelve and zero. We own the Buffalo. Ch- we own the Buffalo Chips. Okay, so USC's twelve and zero against uh, Colorado. T. Martin might be an issue, but we are Pac twelve South champs for the first time. Possibly ten and two in the hunt and highly ranked. An amazing quarterback, Rojo approaching OJ numbers. And if uh, stays, could topple Marcus's Allen. Please stay, is what he's saying in parentheses. Some solid freshmen like Carr and Steve uh, Stephen Smith. That's recruiting people. Uh, so come on. Quit bitching about winning ugly and enjoy the ride. Helton has had a better first two-year record than Saban and the mighty Pete Carroll who left us in tatters. Swan knows what he's doing. We're all very well set up for the future, and please stay one more year, Sam, and only help you uh, to join the USC 10,000-yard passer club. Fight on for all this C and leave Helton alone. Peace, Steve, and Seattle. All right, interesting stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of you know, reason for optimism. Um, I don't know if Lynn uh, Swan knows what he's doing, because you know USC hired an inexperienced uh, athletic director, just like they hired an inexperienced uh, head coach. So, but I like your optimism, and I think you want to root for this team. You want to, you know, you're USC fan. Definitely root for them to do stuff. I don't. I would. Go, I would go too far making excuses. You know, the problem is they haven't looked great at a lot of the games. And when you see them play well, you're like, that's the potential. You would like to see the team play somewhat close to the potential every week. This team's not doing that. They're playing far below the potential. And that's why they're so bad against the spread. But at the end of the day, it's 9-2. If you beat UCLA, you're 10-2, and two, which is great. And then you win the Pac-12 championship. That's great, too. So those are the, the metrics, I think, that matter to me. Uh, when you think about seasons, what do you think about? Like you think about your rivalry games, you remember beating Notre Dame. You remember beating UCLA. Well, you didn't beat Notre Dame this year, but you can beat UCLA. So that's something you'll remember. You remember winning the Rose Bowl that happened last year. You remember winning the conference championship, except, you know, when you're Pete Carroll because they won it every year. It didn't really matter. But I think now you would since you haven't done it in 10 years. And you would remember a, a, a trip to the Fiesta Bowl, a bowl that, you know, USC hasn't been to, right, or typically doesn't go to. I, I think they might have been to one or two. I forget. But um, – yeah. So I I think those are all some realistic great goals and you should feel good about the season. And that's you want to feel good about the off season. When USC had lost like when Brett Hundley was around and USC lost to UCLA like two or three times in a row whatever it was like you're walking around LA, people aren't real happy. You'd be pretty happy. You know, you beat UCLA like feel pretty good for the for the year at least. At least you don't have to go to the grocery store and if you're wearing a USC shirt and you see someone wearing a UCLA shirt and they give you a little snicker or say something. You don't have to deal with that. So I think there's a lot of positives that can come from it. Um, so yes, so yes, there's been bad moments, like you said, but I think there's been some really good moments and potential for a few really good ones in the next uh, couple of weeks. Brian and Birmingham, I said, we won. So that's a plus, I guess. Uh, it's always deflating and tiring watching SC play. Game should have been over long ago, but it's always coaches. Don't play to win. They play not to lose. That's Brian's thoughts. Uh, Tyler and uh, Samamish Washington. I'm writing at the three minute mark of the third quarter. This is USC football 2017. Winning doesn't feel like it. Superior athletes playing undisciplined and poorly coached football. Our quarterback making things happen through incredible f- football athleticism. Two steps forwards, one step back. Defense is okay to good. Magic eight ball play calling weight, another penalty. Very difficult to watch. Very difficult to feel any sort of, okay, we're back, confidence. Again, I'm guessing we'll win this game. I believe that will make us 9-2, and two, but again, it sure doesn't feel like it. Well, Tyler, it should feel like it. USC won. But part of the reason you know, USC does play like that, and it, that's, been the, that's been the rule, not the exception. The rule has been playing like that, kind of playing ugly and winning the games. Now, you got to give Clay Houghton credit. I think sometimes you play ugly. Most of the times you played ugly with Sark or Kiffin, USC loses those games. This team's good enough where they can win the games. And of, oh, it's Sam Darnold; he can do it. Whatever it is. But this team can play ugly and blow a lead and all that and still win the game. Which is you gotta that's a feather in Clay Halton's cap, right? So that's a positive at least. But because they're playing ugly like that more consistently, more often than not, that's why I don't think doing a playoff. You do that in a playoff game, and it you know, it looks like what the Notre Dame game looks like, which was ugly. Steve says, guys. Who do we have the best chance against? Uh, Washington, resurrected farm with love, or a Coug rematch? Fight on from Seattle, Steve. Like I we talked about that already. Uh, I think Washington, which you know, you could argue is the best team of those three. You could argue. I think you know Washington State's the highest rank, but I would think Washington USC matches up the best against. That's just me. Uh, least likely, like I said, least one you'd want to see is Stanford. Could Shotgun show some of that old football form and run with Ralphie off to the side with his camera phone? Maybe Keeley could video it while Shotgun runs. Uh, Keeley did video it, but Shotgun didn't make the trip, so he wasn't able to do that. Um, James at Claremont, he said, seems like a number of targets directed at Deontay Burnett have dropped recently, and his play count seems to have dropped. It's probably due to the rise of players like Vons, et etc., but in the last couple of games, Burnett seemed to make an effort to get to the ground prior to being tackled like a quarterback. Is there a nagging injury there? Um, He did get banged up, and I kind of feel like it slowed him down a little bit. Now, they haven't come out and said uh, that as much, but I kind of feel like that, James. Uh, There were mentions on Twitter uh, during the last game at some point that Coach Helton pulled uh, Chumadoga aside to light him up and then seemed to follow it up with a plea for better play. Shortly after we came back in that game and scored twice, there's something that could be elaborated on that I heard on the sideline segment of the Family Feud podcast? It's interesting to hear the Helton finally beginning to be more demonstrative and vocal on the sidelines. Love the variety and frequently of the podcasts you do these days. Keep up the great work. James and Claremont. James, uh, so I didn't hear that and see that. I think they addressed that in the last uh, Family Feud podcast. But if you want to tweet at them uh, a question for this Family Feud one, they'll be taping it Thursday. Um, just tweet at them any specific question you had like that, and they will uh, they can talk about. It. Marcel, we got a couple more. Marcel Diamond Bar is the Pac-12 so concerned about parity that they'll do whatever it needs to do to make sure USC does not succeed. I'm listening to your podcast on the referees, and this has been going on since Pete Carroll was there. It just doesn't pass the smell test. Marcel and Diamond Bar. Okay, Marcel, this is gonna be weird, but I'm gonna roll back to our sponsor. I was lying on my Lisa bed this morning and just thinking about that exact thing. For whatever reason, I sometimes wake up and just like start thinking about weird stuff. Uh, Usually we get to talk to Larry Scott during the Pac-12 championship game, and one of the questions I wanted to ask him was, what's more important to you? Is parity in the conference more important or making the college football playoff? And I think they focus so much on parity that they don't care about the teams at the top. And if you have to put washington on the road on a friday night against freaking stamford like would auburn alabama be on a friday night and they, no they wouldn't do that in the sec that's ridiculous why would you put your premier programs in that weird spot it's just dumb that's but the pac-12 is doing this for more parity sake and do they want you know hey oregon state should be as successful as ucla and i was like no this is if the team gets good and they succeed, that's great. But you don't hinder the teams at the top, the Blue Blood programs at the top, and you know preclude them from making a trip to the college football playoff where you're going to get millions of dollars uh, for the conference. So, yeah, I think parity, uh, you know, the officials and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But I think just the scheduling, the, the, the five Pac-12 teams have bye weeks in the, the month of November. Now, no other – conference power five conference team has to wait until november for their buy five pack 12 teams do like that's the kind of crap that's going on that it's, it's not for the welfare of the students it's for you know acquiescing to the television contracts that they're trying to squeeze as much money out as possible but they've sold their souls and they're they're putting the programs in these horrible positions where you're on the road on a friday night uh after being on the road the week before and the teams that have to do that in the Pac 12, if you played a conference game followed by a Friday night road game, those teams are 0-4. Okay? And USC's, you know, that's that happened in USC too. That's terrible. Three of those four teams this year were favored. So you're talking about the favorite gets put in this horrible position because of the conference. And so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty bad. I think you know referees are part of that. I don't think it's I don't see as much as a bias as it's a incompetence thing on the referees but it's more about he's more concerned about parity than being an elite conference and you know more concerned about the olympic sports and all that if football's really good the the pack of olympic sports are always they're awesome right they're, that's what they hang their hat on but you don't need to like hurt football because of that so and i think they really do let's play one last voicemail and then we got one more email
2: hello this is AG from San Diego Harvey Hyde and Dan Weber were spot on regarding both the lack of discipline and penalties. I think that uh, some of the referees' penalties are absolutely ticky talk like Tyler Bond's 15-yard penalty for twirling the football after a nice long catch last week. A warning by the referees should have been enough. It is especially egregious and hypocritical when they always allow a chest bumping in the air on a great play or touchdown. The refs have no problem with that. But I do hope that Clay Hilton has a sincere talk to the team about keeping the players keeping their cool before the UCLA game. Fight on.
1: All right. I think it was A.G. or A.J. I'm sorry about that. I forgot the beginning. Uh, I'm I'm like on head cold medicine and my – Running thin after doing all the podcasts this week, so I'm sorry about that. But um, and it, and this isn't Coach Harvey Hyde, but I wanted to play the the voicemail anyway since we already did Coach Harvey Hyde's show. Yeah, there were some ticky tack files for sure. Um, I don't see this being this huge problem where you're spinning footballs and uh, it's just ruining college football. I would say if it was something like Tyler Vaughn's, like took the ball and like spun it directly at the guy and was like, you know, kind of taunting him. Yeah, yeah. you want to throw a flag, fine. He just spun the ball like he was getting up, like this is a nonchalant thing. And it just was not, it did not warrant a foul. If you want to read like letter of the law and all that kind of stuff, that did not. And, uh, you know, there's so many examples of just terrible officiating, that they're officiating scared. They're making sure they throw as many flags as possible. It's just awful. It's just really bad. And they're not going to do anything. I, you know, it, it they're they keep saying every year they're they're working to get better, but they never do. So until they get better, until they, they do something different, you got to do something different. Like the way they're doing it is not working. Let's see. We got one last one. This is from Don. Uh, was Coach Hyde as harsh on Pete Carroll? Oh, I, you know, I think we did this one already. All right. So, all right, we're going to skip that one. Sorry about that, Don. I think we did this in one of the other shows. I must have uh, accidentally uh, left it on there. So, All right. So, yeah. So I apologize for the voice. I'm a little uh, stuffed up, Um, but I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle podcast. It was uh, a solo edition. I I don't think, like I said, I don't think we're going to do a UCLA preview. Go back and listen to our – we talk a lot about USC and UCLA and the podcast of champions so that's at Pac12Podcast.com if you want to go check that out. We uh, we cover all the Pac-12 teams in that one, David Woods and I. So David Woods uh, writes for Bro. I, of course, write for USCFootball.com. So we have a USC guy, UCLA guy uh, every week. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of people like it. So if you haven't checked it out, do that. And that's that's where you can get a bunch of the USC, uh, UCLA info. But, my yeah, my my voice, my nose, everything is uh, it's kind of out of it. So I don't think I'm going to do one more. But we'll let the family feud go. They'll be they back with their regular podcast. We also uh, will do our Facebook Live at least if I'm feeling good enough. We'll we'll do it anyway. If I might not be hosting, but uh, if you're on our face, you know, definitely go to our Facebook page. Uh, it's facebookcom slash uscfootball.com, and you just spell out the dot. So U-S-C football, Uh or just search for you know uscfootball.com inside Troy on Facebook. We do a live show every week at noon, and uh, they're a lot of fun. We have Keely and Shotgun, and we'll have Chris Trevino on there too. Um, and, you know, answer your questions live. So you can type in the chat box as we're talking, and we'll, you know, interact with you live. So it's a lot of fun um, if you haven't checked that out. And we'll put up on our YouTube page, our Inside Troy YouTube page, we'll put up uh, the replay of it there. So if you can't watch it at noon on Thursday, that specific time live, then we'll put it up there too. All right. Well, That's an hour show uh, knocked out for me. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we got to all the rest of your questions. It's time to move on, time to look forward to USC and Notre Dame. Forget the playoff. Forget the Pac-12 championship. Think about USC and UCLA. That's where your mind should be. Hope you guys enjoy it. 5 p.m. kickoff time. So check that out. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.